This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Will you teach me how to fly? Eagle glanced at me and nodded. Then it looked straight ahead for a moment, as if contemplating where to start. It communicated with me telepathically in thought forms. First, never take off unless you know where you are going. What a good point. Once you're in the air, stay alert as you look for opportunities and be flexible enough to change course if an opportunity arises. A vision appeared before me of a bird flying towards a branch. It spotted an insect and immediately darted towards the insect, then flew on, landing on a different branch than the one it had originally aimed for. I imagined how ridiculous it would be if birds always had to end up at the destinations they aimed for. I envisaged them bumping into each other, unable to alter their course, and making redundant flights with the only purpose of landing on the original target, writes Leanne Babcock. Valeria interviews Leanne, the author of Open Me, the true story of a magical journey from fear to freedom. Open Me is the true story of how Leanne opened herself to the whispers of her heart, of how she learned to listen to trust, to be truly free. It is the story of a journey on which she faced her worst fears, listened to her intuition and the wisdom of nature, and was guided by the trees, stones, and birds. Traveling to sacred places around the world, Leanne deepened her exploration of who she is. Magic and miracles began to happen as she found the courage to heal. Finally, she met the challenge of love with newfound freedom and fearlessly continued to follow the voice of her spirit. Leanne Babcock is a coach, speaker, and author. People say her coaching program shakes up the roots of their soul and opens their mind and heart. It transforms their life. She is an NLP Master Practitioner, Master Coach in Multiple Brain Integration Techniques, and a master coach and trainer in the Babcock Coaching Technology, also trained in hypnotherapy, transactional analysis, and ontological coaching. She has worked extensively in the realms of intuition and shamanism. Working with people in business, government, and public has given her a wide range of experience. Leanne's focus has mainly been with heart-centered leaders, entrepreneurs, and creatives, 
Now she works extensively with women, helping them to boldly claim who they truly are and to live fulfilling and purposeful lives. But more simply, Leanne is just a courageous wild woman who listens to the trees. Here is the interview with Leanne Babcock. In your own words, who is Leanne Babcock? Well, I am a coach. Uh, I'm an author and a speaker. And, you know, like I am someone who, you know, like I have courage. And I, I want to, you know, just break down that word into cur, which is heart and rage, heart rage, courage in French. And which really is, your, what rages in your heart? What really is your passion? And for me, my passion is about making a difference on the planet, expanding human consciousness and being a catalyst for transformation as I transform my own life. Right, right. That sounds wonderful to me. And I love that word, yeah, courage. Actually, a lot of words that are connected to your work, which we'll be exploring today, intuition, courage, and freedom. So before we talk about some of the topics um, in your book, Open Me, the true story of a magical journey from fear to freedom, I have these questions here. I call them warm-up questions, as I mentioned off record. What is intuition to you, Leanne? It's our ability to sense the energy that is flowing in and around us. So for me, intuition is, from, and from my work and my experience, it is a completely natural and innate thing. And I remember once seeing a documentary by Greg uh, Braden, um, a scientist, and he showed a picture of the universe, uh, of the sky, the night sky, right? And it had stars in it and looked like a normal picture. And the next one was a picture that looked to me like the brain and all of our brain cells and, you know, the, and, and it was all lit up and they were all connected and they had all these branches and dendrites. And, and I thought, wow, amazing. And he said, that's the same section of the sky taken with a different camera. And it's a camera that can pick up on the electromagnetic energy and the connections in the universe and everything was connected. And it occurred to me that's actually, I mean, that, that's what I have always seen when I close my eyes and what I can sense is that, you know, everything is connected by energy. Energy flows through all of the universe and the earth and all and around us. And so our intuition is our ability to sense that energy that is, uh, you know, like we can reach out with kind of like, imagine like antennas or, uh, or, or the energy that's coming, you know, close to us. We can, we can sense it. We can sometimes pick up on what somebody is feeling. Um, maybe sometimes what someone is thinking, although I don't want to put that out there because, you know, it, it, it's, you know, relationship wise, you know, well, don't you know what I'm thinking? That's a whole other topic. But intuition, I would say is that is our natural ability to pick up on energy. Oh, wow. And then you actually saying that we can pick up on energies, not just that flows within us, but also from outside of us, everywhere, from people, places, especially nature, right? Sure. <laughs> That's like a wonderful um, energy, flows just incredibly well. 
So my next question is about general, about life. What is life to you? Life is an ongoing experience that is of my creation, that I create with my, with my mind, with my desire, with my ability to manifest, you know? So it's like how I see reality and life is all from my own filters, my own uh, beliefs, my own thoughts. So on one hand, life can occur as something that's being done to me. And, you know, like if I just live, you know, from the filters of my own mind and my own thoughts that I programmed there to say things like I'm not good enough or that, uh, you know, I can't have that or I'm not wanted or I don't belong or whatever, right? We all have things like that. Then life is going to occur for me in that reality. And it's going to occur limiting and, you know, that I'm not in control here. I'm a victim to this. But when I realized this and when I begin to get that I can create my reality and then and, and our imagination is also our access to not only our intuition, but also to our creativity. And it's by doing the transformational work and distinguishing the filters that limit our ability to live life and to perceive reality. And when we transform them, uh, release them. I mean, if you can imagine these filters, it's like a web. Really, it's like a cobweb, right? And, and so you can break a cobweb. You can undo a cobweb. You can, you know, blow it away. And so we can actually do that with our thoughts and even with the thoughts that we've programmed there, you know, because our brain is so, um, you know, the plasticity of our brain tells us that we can actually do this. You know, there's so much scientific proof now that we can change the things that we've programmed in our mind. And so we can, when we start to get that, then we realize we truly can create the life and the reality that we want, that we long for. Yeah. And what a wonderful way of living. Uh, do you connect thoughts to energy? What do you think thoughts are? Well, thoughts are energy. And energy creates reality. Yes, I mean, I mean, in the brain, right? So a thought really is, and this to put so simply, is just simply like a, a synapsis. It's like an energetic pathway that lights up in the brain when we're having a thought. And so that energy is projected, you know, and, and, and that's how come like, we think that we have a thought, it stays in our head. Right. No, that's true. <laughs> you know, true. it's energy. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, 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 it actually all the thoughts we have occur outside of our brain is the, you know, the energy flows beyond our body. Mm, that makes sense. And it just made me think about, uh, different kinds of energy, because I know the body is an energetic field and it kind of works independently. It does, it's highly intelligent, it keeps us alive without us being conscious of it. So I'm wondering what kind of energy thoughts are? What kind of energy thoughts are? 
Yeah, yeah. Because the body, it's also an energetic field. We don't have to do anything to kind of control it. But why do we have these messages in our heads that we say is in our heads, but it's in the entire body, really? The, the body is the receptor. So why do we have these specific kinds of um, energetic waves that tells us what to do and how to do it, and sometimes completely out of reality? <laughs> yeah, and, and unhelpful, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, so imagine that, so when we're little, and as we grow up, this is how we create the filter that creates our thinking is that we're intelligent and we're looking to survive. How do I survive in this world? It's not even a conscious thinking process. We can be two years old and we learn that, okay, gosh, if I, if I take care of, you know, other people, like if I'm, if I make other people laugh and I, you know, and I give them my attention, then my needs are going to be met. That's how we, we learn. It's almost at a cellular level. But what happens is we create, that, I mean, that, that's programming. That's, that's how it begins. And you know, research shows us that most of the programming uh, uh, like of who we are, who we need to be in the world, and who everybody else is, and what life is like, is that we've decided that most of it before we're seven years old. So it's phenomenal. So imagine. There you are as you're growing up and you now have created this filter that is your brain and it, it runs on automatic because that's also too the, how our bodies work. You know, as we're growing up, like we learn how to walk and imagine if we had to be consciously thinking about how to walk at the same time that we've got to consciously be thinking of how to do everything else. It's like, no, when the body learns something, it then tosses it into the unconscious and where we do it automatically. So when we learn something, we then go unconscious about it and it becomes an automatic function as the brain clears the space to learn the next new thing. That's, that's how that goes, right? So now that's just a setup to answer your question. Okay. And so imagine, so, so there we are and you've got these uh, like a series of automatic thought patterns in the brain of, and, that, and these thought patterns will spark and fire when the particular circumstance that, that formed them in the beginning is present. Okay. So, you know, when you were little and whatever, you know, if you decided that you need to please other people in order to get your needs met, then whatever circumstance created you to decide that when that circumstance becomes present, and it doesn't matter how old you are, then that automatic thought pattern is going to fire. So it isn't even that you consciously, the intelligent being that you are, you don't even consciously think, okay, gee, I think I'll have that thought now that I should please people. Because even you know, logically and intelligently, you go, no, don't do it this time. Don't, don't, you know, and we go ahead and do it. And so, and, and it's like, uh, and I also, you know, liken that our, like our, our life force inside us, like the energy inside us, it's, it really is just in a sense, on one hand, it's kind of, hmm, it's the breath that flows through our being. 
And if the being that we created is like an instrument in an orchestra, and if we've created uh, these certain thought patterns and they have certain sounds, then when, as life force flows through us, those patterns are just automatically lit up. It's not a conscious, intelligent, wise, you know, conscious choice here. Is this making sense so far? Yeah, it does. Um, What is interesting from what I hear from you is that a lot of the energy gets somehow stuck or stagnated. It's almost like stagnated energy that's stored within us. And a lot of that it's useful and a lot of that's not. So, and we have no choice in a way because being so open as a child, we... We are just free to experience everything. The process, which my next question is about freedom. So to feel free or to become free, let's say, as an adult, the process is of unlearning. Perfect question, because it's like uh, we are not free as long as we we remain unconscious to these automatic patterns. So we start off free as a child, right? And then we create the prison of our life by all these decisions we make about how we need to be in order to survive, in order to get our needs met. And that actually could be a much bigger conversation than that as well, really, as you know, because we really have, you know, where we're a traumatized culture. And we're even born into trauma. But that, again, and I'm, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and so to free ourselves is the process of becoming firstly conscious to the prison we've put ourselves in. Because it's only in taking responsibility for that, like becoming conscious, taking responsibility for it, and doing whatever work is reveals itself from our opening our eyes to that. It may be that there are some wounds to heal. It could be that those decisions that we made that are so unhelpful and and, and keep us stuck is actually because of some, you know, some trauma that happened that we experienced. And so, you know, there's some healing to do. And so when we do that work, so it takes courage, it takes and compassion to do this healing work, but it is the pathway to setting ourselves free. So it's interesting the way you say, yeah, the prison that we have created, uh, but we created that prison unconsciously because we had no choice really as a child, I guess no one had the choice to uh, make decisions. (laughs) Or do you think that they are, have you met some human beings who are actually born conscious? It's, not about that we don't have a choice. And I do believe that some of us come in more consciously than others. And if you consider that, it, that the, only, the only real estate we have is our consciousness. So when we leave this incarnation, all we take with us is our consciousness. And so you know, whatever work we do to prepare for our next time around, we take our consciousness with us. And so, you know, some of us have done more work and come in more consciously. And, but it's not that we, that we don't have a choice as we're going through things. It's kind of like, 
it's uh, it's automatic wiring in the body. Like I was just, I, I was sharing with my partner uh, even yes, like yesterday, and I was distinguishing a time in my life when I made a decision that I was not wanted as a child, and I was four years old, and it was interesting. I even I remember that moment, and I remember being conscious in that moment, thinking you know, you're just making a decision, right? And it might not even be the right one. We have different levels of consciousness and the decisions we make are, you know, when we're little, it's not that we don't have a choice. Uh, We do. It's just that when we're that little, like at four years old, life looks how it looks. And it's the big people who have all the control. And so, you know, the decisions we make occur as real, as real, as real in that moment, because that's reality. And so, you know, it, it really is, you know, when I say taking responsibility, taking responsibility for and compassion, you were four years old and life really did look like that. But it, you know what? It doesn't mean that you weren't wanted. And actually now I can see something else and maybe you can see that too. And so. We have the choices, but but when it's a four-year-old making that choice, you know, he or she is going to do the best they can and life looks how it looks from that perspective. Yeah, I love that. Um, The way you speak of choice is that even when we are children, so young children, they also have choices. They always do, but um, they're not going to always make um, the best ones, uh, giving the circumstances and um yeah they're not going to make the best choices for the 30 year old you the 40 year old you no (laughs) but they're going to make the best choice for them because if you think about it if a three-year-old learns that you know he or she needs to take care of other people's needs in order to get their needs met maybe that's the best decision to make at that time because you know given our family circumstances and dynamics that's what that three-year-old had to do to get their needs met. And thank heaven they were wise enough to figure out how to get their needs met. It's just that what we don't have and built in us automatically is a re-questioning system. So that when you get to your teens and your 20s and your 30s, you re-question, no, hang on a minute. I made that decision when I was four. Is it still applicable today? <laughs> the method of asking questions, yeah, always... Um examining our reality. I love that. That's a self-discovery and self-awareness, self-knowledge. It goes back to the self, which is such an interesting journey, isn't it, Leanne? Yes. Let me ask you a question about freedom. This is still my warm-up questions. Uh, What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? To be free, from my experience, is a feeling inside is it's something I actually experience inside myself and it has nothing to do with the circumstances. I I mean, I remember when I was married and I lived on this beautiful property. It was an orchard. The people would have said, oh my God, you're so lucky. And, you know, and I felt imprisoned. I hated it. I was, you know, and I would look outside and Yes, I would see the beautiful flowers, but I was so unhappy that I wasn't free. Freedom's got nothing to do with circumstances. It's that, would you say, is a state of being, a state of mind? Yes, completely. 
Wow. I think I asked you the question before about freedom, <laughs> and I asked it again. <laughs> I, I think I want a clear definition, just like um, a snapshot of what freedom would look like. It makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, my next question has to do with what's happening now. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Okay, I got chills as you asked, you know, that question. And, uh, you know, so firstly, with what is happening on the planet right now, this is a ripe time for us to listen to our own inner wisdom and trust ourselves. It's not time to look for another politician or look for some other new leader to guide us here. This is a huge global opportunity for each and every one of us to realize that it's time to lead our own lives in a way that we listen to our inner wisdom and be guided by that. It takes huge trust to listen to that. And I am talking about intuition. When I say inner wisdom, call it your intuition. I, I use inner wisdom because to me, it points more to the reality of what it is for me. Yes, there is a new reality that is being birthed here right now that in a sense, is it a new reality or is it the reality that's always been there? You know, we've always consciously, like, or even consciously, intellectually known that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But in the past, we've said that, like, it's lip service, right? Because I know what I'm going to do tomorrow because I've got it written down in my diary. And, and besides, you know, like I go to bed and I wake up in the same room and everything looks like it's still there from yesterday. So today doesn't look necessarily any different from yesterday. So things didn't really change. But what we don't realize and what we're not, we haven't been living in is that, no, none of that was certain at all. The reality was that we never knew what was going to happen moment by moment. I mean, even, you know, the, the molecules, like it, I'm sure if we, I'm, and I'm not a scientist, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. But if we were to ask a scientist, you know, uh, that, um, you know, the molecules of our houses and the particles, they, they're not even in the same place as they were yesterday. So everything is in movement, you know, and, and so is life. And I'm just... To me, it looks like that the veil of unconsciousness to the reality that life is, was never certain, if that veil has just been swept aside and what we're seeing for the first time is the bare reality as it always has been, that life is, you know, and, and we think that, you know, when we see pictures of the cosmos and the universe, that it's constantly birthing new life and new stars. And, and that only happens up in the universe. It's like, no, that happens right in front of you, moment by moment. The only reason that the past repeats itself because, is because we put it there. You know, we repeat those same thoughts and then we make, take those same actions and we make assumptions that we know how someone is going to respond or what's going to happen. Well, where did those assumptions come from? They're just from the past that we throw into the future and then we look to make that happen. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, um, I mean, I try not to use that word, but um, 
in a way. Yeah, it is uh, not beneficial. It, it doesn't help the experience, the human experience. We could have a wonderful one, but yeah, we need to be more aware of that. I'm wondering why uh, so many of us choose to hold on to beliefs and plans we make um, instead of letting it go and surrendering to to life, the flow of life. Would you say fear is the biggest obstacle? Yes. <laughs> you know, fear of what might happen, fear of something from the past occurring again. Uh, but, you know, really, if we look at what fear really is, it's all past-based, all of it. Every single fear we have, even, oh, but what if this happens in the future? It's like, where did you get that thought of what if? The thought of what if is only something in the past you either saw somebody else do or happen or something that happened to you. So, and, and if we really think about it too, is that those moments that we confronted, that we thought were fearful, in the moment when we're actually there, Fear isn't there because we're present right here. We're accessing whatever it is that we need to access in that moment, but fear isn't present. So when fear isn't present, when we're present. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so true. So, so true. Would you say that this is a challenge for most of us to be present in the present? (laughs) Yes, Absolutely. There's, there's, I, I, I don't know. And I think there's maybe a couple of reasons for that, because if when we're really, really present in this moment. So firstly, life occurs as delicious, like, you know, like the, the color of whatever it is, is in front of you is beautiful. And, you know, you're just in this present moment feeling so grounded and so embodied that there's no fear anywhere within you and it's like it's a an experience of just completely being in love in love with life in love with you know but at the same time we also begin to realize that we are so fully responsible for manifesting and creating life from this place of being present we access and we're connected with all that is and getting that we are the complete creator of of our whole life and of life itself it's a huge responsibility and so i just wonder if to some extent fear isn't something we hide behind in order to not step into the level of responsibility and not like a burden. I mean, responsibility can occur definitely like a burden. Uh, and I guess that's when we want to hide from it. But yes, I wonder if it isn't really, I mean, sure, there's a, there are, you know, automatic triggers around fear, you know, that we have, you know, in our bodies. And, you know, but we can also deal with those. We can. Yeah, and I agree. Fears are just an excuse in a way, not to explore more of what we can be, what we can become. 
So let me ask you one more question, warm-up question, and then um, get to talk about your book specifically. I think I have a couple of questions here about your coaching technology, the Backcock coaching technology too. I want to ask you a question about that. My last warm-up question, uh, what is love to you? What does love mean to you? I had to ask this one. I had to choose here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Well, you know, love, it looks like, you know, sometimes that love is about loving someone else or something else. And it's a feeling or experience that you have towards someone. But what I am discovering at a deeper and deeper level is the reality of love is really about me and my relationship with myself. So yes, on, on, on one level. So let's just say that love has many levels and at a surface level that we can be in love with other people. And, you know, in animals and, and, and things like that. And people can love other people and still not have love for themselves. So that's at, that's at a surface level. And that's also where we can get caught up with a lot of dysfunction. You know, being a martyr and doing things for the people and then they don't do them back for you and, you know, all that. Now, the deeper I've delved into this, I've realized that the saying, I cannot love someone unless I love myself is so incredibly true because the love that we truly, truly long for, that we truly, truly want from someone else is actually the love that we are not giving to ourselves. And it's only when I have been giving myself the love that I've been looking for other people to give me. And I fill my own cup and I begin to be okay with me. And I begin to accept those blemishes and those idiosyncrasies that I have found difficult to embrace. And I begin to love those parts of me that do you know the love I feel, that I begin to just feel. And it's not just a, you know, oh, gee, I love me, ego thing. It's just love. It's I, I, just like a deep, deep love from myself that um, it actually attracts other people. And I, I just end up feeling more love for my partner and more love for my clients and my friends and the, you know, just with so much more acceptance. And, and then, you know, I know this with my partner and I, because both of us are on this journey and of, you know, expanding consciousness and self-awareness. And uh, as I love myself more and I keep doing the work, every time I, saw, I, I find something triggered that comes up where I'm rejecting a part of myself or I'm jealous or I'm, it's like, no, all that is, is just me not loving some part of myself. And I do that work. I come back home to me and I feel settled about that. And I love him even more. And then he loves me even more. So I don't know. Love seems to be this creation that goes beyond me. But I can only create it as I delve into the love I have for myself. Yes. A hundred percent agree. Um, would you call that love unconditional? Unconditional self-love? 
Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's wonderful to hear. And um, what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Open Me? I never intended on writing a book. And this is one of those moments of following my inner wisdom. I kept hearing. So I hear I hear voices from my like my the way my uh, inner wisdom works. And um, and I kept getting just, you know, keep a journal, keep a journal. And it was uh, a time in my life when uh, I had already listened to some powerful messages that I got and had left my marriage and. Uh, my um, the farm and the orchard and and all of that and I had gone on a like a spiritual pilgrimage which I'd never done before. As I went on this journey, I had honestly I was I, I was terrified, never having you know done this kind of thing before, and you know just traveled around the world all by myself uh, to all these different places. And, uh, but I just kept listening to my inner wisdom, which just kept saying, write it, right, right, right. And so open me is actually the story. It's, it's, I mean, even though there are some exciting things that happened, you know, and I, um, you know, spent a night alone in a desert canyon, uh, awake, <laughs> um, and, you know, did work with a shaman and I got lost and, uh, just worked with my intuition to find my way again. Uh, so it's filled with adventure, but the real adventure is actually what happened in what, what was happening inside of me and in my own consciousness and how that was expanding and my fears. So I, I am, I'm a really sensitive person and I do doubt myself a lot. And even though I, I, I do all these things and I, I, I lead programs to all these people and I do all this coaching, but I really am, you know, neurotic. And, I, but the thing is, I'm unwilling to let fear stop me. And so I just keep doing the work. And so writing this book, um, there's more I could share on that, uh, but that that's also that was just a big, uh, I guess, just a big catalyst. It was I realized that my story had a message that more people needed to hear, and it needed to be out in the world so that my book could speak for itself, and it has. Right. Do you think that some of us, or perhaps all of us, need some kind of adventures um, experience like you had to rediscover or uncover ourselves, our inner wisdom? You know, we can experience adventure anywhere. <laughs> True. <laughs> we can experience adventure just going out in the backyard and, you know, having an amazing conversation with the flowers and the bushes out there. So true. So true. I know you help women to claim who they truly are and to live a fulfilling and purposeful life. This is the way you write in your biography. So why women? <laughs> well, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, have, I do actually work with men and, and I designed this program and it's, it's called Woman Beat Your Drum. And I, I just, you know, like I firstly felt 
uh, as I arrived back here in North America. So I was living in New Zealand for almost 30 years, married a Kiwi, and then started getting really strong messages to come back to Canada. And so, and it was the hardest thing I did. It just took so much courage to leave a country I love, sell up everything where everybody knows me and move to a country where I'm not known at all anymore, even though I'm from Canada. So I've been here three years. Yes, because I've, I've worked, uh, I've worked actually 50-50, you know, in New Zealand with men and women. But when I arrived here in North America, I just kept listening to, you know, my inner wisdom. It's like, okay, what's, what's next now? And, um, and I just kept getting, you know, work with women. And I've realized that as we are creating um, a new earth and as we are opening up consciousness, that women are stepping up to the forefront uh, more and more. I mean, it is really, I mean, it's been beginning for a long while. I wouldn't at all, you know, risk to say it's just starting. But the thing is, is that as women more and more claim our own power, the men will find their way. It's the women's turn and time to lead. And it, it just it just fell into place. It was like, oh my God, because we're all kind of lost in what roles we play, you know, and particularly the men as the women, you know, but the men will find their way. I totally trust that. But the women have to stand up for themselves. They've got to stop taking care of everybody because that's an abusive pattern. And then we've got to realize we hide behind being a martyr and, and, and taking care of everyone else's needs because it means we don't have to take care of ourselves. It means we don't have to face our own wounds and, you know, what needs to be healed inside of ourselves. But that's what we hide behind. And it is time. It's time to come out of the shadows and to stand in the light and claim who we are. And the women are leading the way. Now, in saying that, I have had men through the program. Um, I just don't call it women beat your drum. And they get heaps from it because this is a time. It's a global time of, it, of just cracking open our consciousness. I love that. Um, that makes me think about the conversation that has been out there now about the masculine energies and the feminine energies. So when you speak of the women, um, uh, we balancing our own energies better, the masculine and feminine, or you're speaking uh, specifically about the feminine energies? Uh, no, uh, you're, you're right. It is a balancing because for you know quite some time the masculine energy has been out of balance and very dysfunctional and it's been it has been you know really suppressed in women the masculine energy and uh, well well uh, and 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 their feminine energy and in order to be heard women have had to be masculine yeah i think i have been using uh, used before more the masculine energy yet to achieve the things that I achieved. So that didn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because then we also, we learn not to respect women. We learn not to trust women, you know, but really who is it we're not trusting? It's ourselves. Right. That's right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So it really is, it's, it is, it's a balancing of, of both. It's, it's bringing out the feminine inside of ourselves and uh, and finding that balance because 
the the masculine who we've had to overdevelop in order to just be heard and and not everyone could even you know develop that because that a masculine without the balance of the feminine is very harsh you know um you know it, it it's yeah so it, it's it's we've had to for you know for some women because i also relate with you you know i've had to be very strong and very masculine very dominant and aggressive you know in my in my early years of, of business that's that's how i was and that's how you got anywhere uh you know but that's but what's happening now is and i've been asking myself too is what is feminine leadership and i am just loving they you know it, it's it, it's just so delicious and rich it's like this new energy that is evolving and growing on the planet and it's in this new energy of feminine leadership that balance will be restored ah i can only breathe <laughs> deeper on that one <laughs> It's true. So uh, would you like to add anything, Leanne, or read a passage from your book before I ask you my final questions? Well, I, I just actually just I really want to thank you for this opportunity for, you know, just getting the beautiful messages out there in the world that, you know, different people can resonate with and helping consciousness to open. And uh, so I think probably the main message that I would love to leave people with is this is a time to trust ourselves more than ever and to do that work because it is, you know, working with our inner wisdom is about listening and paying attention to the subtle. You know, it, it's our, our intuition doesn't always hit us over the head with a two by four. We don't always get these really clear voices like Joan of Arc, you know, of what to do and a clear vision. Um, you know, it, it's very, sometimes it's just very, very subtle. Sometimes it's just like a, a gentle bird call from outside. And, but, it, you know, so it's like we need to wake up, pay attention and, and have so much compassion and listen for the subtle and, uh, and, and what feels right. That is what will guide us moment by moment. It'll guide us beyond all this pandemic. It's going to guide us right through all of the healing of all the racial tension that is on the planet that's breaking open. Thank God right now. So yes, thank you for your work. Thank you, Leanne. Um, another question came to mind. So the way of knowing when we are listening to the inner wisdom and intuition, would you say is that um, a state of being that doesn't include fear of any kind? Would you say that? That is a fantastic question because we can often get caught in our intellect wondering, you know, is this really a message? Like, did I really get that? And, uh, and, and so the example I'm going to use is uh, when I started getting messages to come back to Canada. I guess, you know, firstly, I've had a lot of practice because I teach listening to intuition in, you know, your inner wisdom. And I, I know when something is from my intuition. So, so firstly, when something is from our intuition, it will not occur as a logical thought. 
There is a clear distinction between the two. And it's only from practice. It's only from doing it that you will begin to distinguish it. So, yeah, because a lot of my intuition comes through thought, but the thought is very different from my intellect. So uh, it'll be, and, and, and it will come in just as like an all of a sudden, you know, why don't you move back to Canada? Or it'll come through a dream. Anyway, so that's, I knew that was coming. Now, my head had some opinions about that. You got to know. I am, uh, at the time, you know, I was single in my 50s and I had been well established in my business uh, for quite some time in New Zealand. And uh, who in their right mind would listen to that message? It's like, you're kidding. No, I'm not moving. I was, you know, and, and the reality was I was terrified. Um, I, I was, there was a lot of fear there. And, uh, but also the truth, the truth though, that I hadn't been willing to admit up until then was that I was actually very unfulfilled in my work. I'd been running my business for over 20 years doing the same thing. And it was like, hmm, you know, I knew there was a feeling inside like I knew that I had I'd come with more to offer but I was behind my nice little white picket fence and my nice little comfy lounge chair doing my thing. And, uh, uh, you know, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But the question I guess is, do I want to live my life like that? Is that how I want to, you know, or, 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 you know, how, and I realized actually I want to live my life so fully and feel so fulfilled right to the end. I don't want to have that moment arrive and go, oh, gee, you know, like I could have, I could have made more of a difference or I could have, you know, the, no way. So um, I, you know, so that's what I was unwilling to admit, but that kind of got uncovered. Um, and it took me, you know, as that message kept coming, it took me a little while, like it was over a year of uh, that message keep keeping on coming and that I finally, I thought, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm afraid. I'm scared. But I know that what my intuition is telling me is true. And I know, and you know, when the message is loud enough and when you don't listen, I knew if I didn't listen, something wasn't going to feel right inside of me. And I don't want to live my life like that either. So it was a question of, Leanne, are you going to live your life? And yes, you're going to have stuff to face. Yes, it'll be uh, scary. And are you going to live your life? <laughs> I love that. So listening to our intuition and trusting, trusting that voice is a practice. And you're saying that's a very personal, intimate practice. It's not something we can learn from others, right? Yes. Um, thank you for answering that question, too. <laughs> and my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? <laughs> For sure, again. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess number one is I know that I don't know. I know that life is an ongoing evolution. And I really don't know what the next moment is going to offer me. What I do know is who I am in the matter of not knowing. Mm. 
I know that I am going to be the best version. Oh, well, I am. That I am the best version of who I am right now in this moment. And that's how you can count. That's who you could count on me to be. That I know. And the other thing that I know, I know that sometimes I'm going to make mistakes. And I know that there are times I'm going to fall in those potholes. And there are times when, you know, I'm going to doubt myself. And times I'm going to forget that I said all these wonderful, wonderful things. And I'm going to go back and read my book and I'm going to go, gee, those are great quotes. And that's right. I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How wonderful. I absolutely love what you said about knowing ourselves in the midst of the unknown. Just knowing that I know myself. I may not know anything else, but one thing I know myself, right? Oh, I love that. Uh, That resonates true very much. So thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, your wisdom and your presence. You're welcome. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Mm -hmm. So you can check out my website at leannebabcock.com. And that's L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-B-C-O-C-K dot com. And on my website will be the information about my books. Uh, They're available on Amazon, the Book Depository, Barnes & Noble. Um, So if if you just Google me, you'll find what's happening. So that's probably the easiest. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Leanne. And we'll talk soon. Thank you very much, Valeria. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Leanne Babcock, please visit her website, leannebabcock.ca. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.